Have you dreamed of doing something big? Something epic? Have you dreamed of crossing the finish line at the big race? Standing on the peak of a mountain? Owning your own business? Achieving a career milestone? Or becoming financially independent? Too often we think of these things as merely dreams. We place limits on ourselves, reducing our full potential. My guest today, Brian Gillette, will show you how to turn those dreams into reality. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Grant. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Gillette is a former Silicon Valley human resource executive founder of his leadership consulting business, an amateur ultra-endurance athlete. He has ridden his bike across the United States and run 205 miles around Lake Tahoe. I had no idea it was that big. Brian knows how to connect with both the business leader or the amateur athlete to help them reach their peak and achieve the impossible. The skills and behavior as he learned are the same. Stay tuned to hear how you too can achieve the impossible. A message this audience would love to hear. Welcome, Brian. Carol, it is a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you for the nice introduction. Let's start, as we always do, on Never Ever Give Up Hope, to your backstory. Were you born a leader? Did you always set high goals? What brought you to that place? Well, well, first of all, for those people who know Lake Tahoe, I've got to answer you know answer one <laughs> of the things you said in the intro and said I didn't realize Lake Tahoe was that uh, that big around. So, for those of you who know Lake Tahoe, if you were just to drive around the road at the base, it would be seventy-two miles. Hmm. Um, so I'll clarify that. So you're probably okay. and I know that because I've ridden that that bike a couple of times. So to clarify. How did you get 200 miles is the run does not go at the base of the lake. It goes up in the mountains, and so it does oh. expand 200 miles. So I just didn't want your uh, your of listeners course. to go, wait a minute, <laughs> this guy's a fraud. <laughs> so it's only 72 miles. So that that's how. So um, was I was I born a leader, and have I always been goal-driven? I think were uh, your questions. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know that I was born a leader. I think my parents likely would say uh-huh. that. Because mm-hmm. I always got involved in those things, um, and and there's some some characteristics I think that you are born with or you inherit from from your family or from friends, but then some you learn. So, 
um, there, there's been a lot that I've learned along the way more. I think that I've learned about being a leader and being effective. And, you know, some of those have been through successes and some of them have been through failures. But mm-hmm. to your other question, have I always been driven, um, with goals and, and that I can just emphatically say, yes, I, I have always kind of set myself on set some goal that I wanted to accomplish, whether it's kind of long term looking at when I was older, whether it was short term of what I was going to do this year. Uh, and so, yeah, I've, I've always that's just kind of who I that is ingrained in who I am, Carol. And what about those who want to implement your program and they are not goal driven? So, you know, one of the the neat things, so it's epic, it's called Epic Performance. That's the the title of my book is Epic Performance Lessons from 100 Executives and Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak. And what I do is I kind of walk through those steps on how to identify some of the big things in life or at work that you want to accomplish. And and when you think about EPIC, what EPIC stands for, and this came from, you know, years experience, you know, at the, in the corporate side of my own, as well as endurance athletes, but also or endurance events that I've done, but also with talking to a, a hundred people. And, and what mm-hmm. EPIC stands for is the E is how do you envision the big things? You got to be able to see it. Um, in order to go do it. And so what are those things looking out long term or even over the next year or two or three years that you want to do? Um, the P is how do you put a plan in place? You know, once you, once you know what you want to do, how do you start figuring out, okay, what do I need to do in order to get to that that point? The I is iterate. How do you, you don't start off, you know, I, I, I use a lot of running analogies, but you don't start off running a marathon. You start off running two miles. And then you build up, you iterate up to three miles and four miles. The C is of Epic is how do you collaborate with others? Somebody has done this before um, <laughs> or, or done something similar. So you may not have, but how do you learn from those other people that have been successful or those other people that may have fail, failed? And then lastly, how do you perform it? So that's kind of the, the fundamental. So the, the, the book and kind of what's in the book talk about how do you how do you think about those big things and then go ahead and cross that finish line. So what holds people back from taking those big leaps? Yeah, there's there's a number of things that hold people back, Carol. I mean, one of them, we come up with a lot of excuses. You know, I can't do that. I'm too old. I'm too fat. I'm too I don't have enough time. I don't have enough money. And and a lot of times those are just excuses. You know, I, you, you think about the I'm too old and, you know, I, I didn't run. I ran my first marathon when I was in my mid 40s. I didn't really start running until later on. And and as I, I was researching kind of what was the oldest person to ever run a marathon and the oldest person is 100. Now, really, I, I'm going to go and, and he didn't start running until I think he was 89 his first marathon. So I'm going to go out on a limb, Carol, and say there's probably not a lot of people that are listening to us today that <laughs> are 100. Now, I don't know your audience super well, but... They might just, feel like they're 100, right? You, that- you, and that's that's it. So... You know, it's it wasn't too old for that guy. And, and you know, it's funny because when I, I do this in person and I'm talking, I can look around the room and see it. There's nobody in this room that's 100. Um, <laughs> so we come up with these excuses. I don't have enough time. Well, we huh. all have the same amount right. of time in the day. 
in the week. We all have 168 hours in the week. It's just, do we put it as a high enough priority? So excuses hold us back. Fear kind of holds us back because we're afraid. We're afraid of getting hurt. We're afraid of failure. And, and so part of understanding is fear is, you know, fear is kind of a reaction to risk. Risk is, is, is real. We can, we can measure risk. Uh We can evaluate risk. We can understand risk. Fear tends to be more imaginary. It's in our head. And, you know, I, I, I like, I love to travel. I've, I've traveled all over the world. I've taken extensive trips, um, both with my wife, with our kids, by myself. And, and I talk to people who, you know, they'll tell me, oh, you know, I'm afraid to fly. Mm-hmm. And you think about, so, so that is a fear, a fear of flying. But the risk of getting hurt hmm. on an airplane is so phenomenally low I mean, you, you look, I, I often say uh-huh. the, the, the risk of um, when you travel is not on the flight, it's driving to the airport because <laughs> there just are so few fatalities or injuries on a commercial airline, especially a U.S. commercial airline. So, so we don't tend to under, we don't tend to manage risk really well. And so how, you know, that fear, fear stops us from doing it as, as one of the psychologists that, um, was one of the uh, the consultants for the movie Inside Out. He said, fear and doubt kill more dreams than failure ever has. So we're afraid of it. We're afraid of the failure. But, you know, most times, you know, and, I, and I've had some failures in my life, and I walked away from them. And in many cases, I learned from them and became better. So, you know, those are just a couple of the things that hold us back. And it's it's really being able to understand, okay, you know, what is it that's really holding me back? And and if you if you come to, you know, you know, as I talk to people, if they want to, you know, when they say, oh, I want to run a marathon, but I can't, you know, the big question I say is, well, do you want it? If you do you tell me mm. if you do come like there are some people on this on this call are thinking, oh, I could never run a marathon. And there are some people on the call thinking, I don't want to run a marathon. <laughs> and it's it's those people kind of the latter that I say, OK, that's great. Don't do it. The people that say, I can't, it's like, wait a minute, you probably could. So how do they overcome these hurdles? Do you have a strategy that you share with people? Yeah, it is. I mean, you think about the iterate part. Um, you want, first of all, you have to understand what the hurdles are. Um, but I mean, let's let's take that marathon as an example. Or, you know, it could be the same thing with starting a business or anything big. But, you know, use, use the, the marathon as an example. I always say start off small. You know, under plan, mm-hmm. you know, one of the things, one of the, the first chapter under the section around plan is just get started. Right. Yeah. And, and part of that is just do something in the next 72 hours that's going to move you forward. And, and, and I remember, you know, I have not always been a runner in my life, a runner. And, and it was, I was finishing up a 300-mile bike ride, um, a one-day 300-mile bike ride. And, and that's when I got the idea. It's like, I'm going to go out and run a marathon. And the first thing you do is, is you could just go sign up for one. You don't have to go out and get the full-blown plan, but just do something that moves you forward. You know, go out and buy a pair of running shoes. You know, if you want to start your own business, you don't have to quit your job and, you know, now, but go out and buy the domain name. Just do something, uh-huh. Uh-huh. no matter how small, 
that moves you forward in the next 72 hours and then continue to repeat that. You know, I'm, I'm sure when you got the idea to run your po- podcast, you know, you didn't build everything up in the, you know, before you started anything, you probably did some, you know, did a little research, you know, listen to a podcast, call somebody up about doing podcast. So just do something to get you started and moving forward it is, is I think the kind of the big thing of, of how you can, how you can break something down and, 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 you know, break it down into smaller chunks. You know, if you're looking to start your business, don't think about the really big thing. Think about some of the smaller things that you can, you know you can do. Is not motivation a huge factor? Because personalities, there are certain personalities that are not motivated. What in your experience have you run across with people that you've interviewed? And I know you've interviewed a lot. Where yeah. you feel that maybe personality is, is a factor or not? Or how do we overcome that if it is? Well, we all ha- we all have something that motivates us and that that gets us excited. And, and so for you, it may be completely different than it is for me. You got to understand what is it that gets you excited, kind of gets you out of bed. And I think most of us have something. Um, and so it's being able to find that. And, and that's a big thing, you know, when we talk about leadership is, you know, I, I do a lot of work with executives, and these executives have teams of people that report up through to them. And the biggest thing that you know, the successful ones do is they know that every single person on their team is motivated a little bit differently. And they understand what those motivators are. There's some people that they may be motivated by making more money. Some people may be motivated because they want to work on some new cool product. Some people may be motivated because they like stability in the company, and that's why they work. They work there if there's if it's a stable company. So, you know, I, I think the key thing, you know, if I'm a, if I'm acting in a leadership capacity or just figuring out for my own self is figuring out, okay, what gets me excited, what motivates me, and that and that's often the hardest part with with any leader is figuring that. You kind of, what are the what are those motivators? Um, of the people on the team. So I think you got to ask yourself, it's like, okay, what do I, what do I get excited about? So you have to be honest with yourself. Yeah, yeah, you do. And it, you know, it's the same thing when we talked about excuses, you have to be honest, honest with yourself about those excuses as well. When you say, oh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm too old or I don't have enough time. It's like, well, I, you know, I'm working with an executive right now. I'm coaching uh, an individual, and she's she's very busy. She's got three kids. Um, she's a senior leader in a in an organization. She's got a lot of things that are challenging her time, and she just she she feels stuck at times. And, and so we were digging into that, and she goes, "I, you know, what I miss is she likes to run, and she goes, I miss the running, and and I just I, I haven't been able to get out and run. And as we were talking. I said, well, how important is it? She goes, it is important. I said, well, are you putting it on your calendar? And and she wasn't. And as we came, it's like you were putting all these other things ahead of that that exercise time that is that makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. So how do you get it on your calendar? Um, and so she was using the excuse, I don't have enough time. And in reality, you know, when people say I don't have enough time, what they're really saying is this isn't a big enough priority for me. Excellent. Um, so I think you really have to be honest with yourself about what your priorities are. I like that. 
I also like something that you said on your website, which I like to put it on a bumper sticker, and that is, are you determined to persevere? Mm, yeah, yeah, persevere is a big thing, especially when you're doing ultra distance things. You got to be, you got to be able to persevere. But that's not just in in uh, physical; that's in every way, correct? It, it is, yeah. Perseverance often is a it's a mental thing. It's not necessarily it's a it's a not necessarily a physical thing. Who are your potential clients? Generally, what I'm working with is mid size, small to mid size companies. Um, I, I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area, so I do a lot of a lot of work with technology companies. But the the issues are the same in so many industries. Mid to senior level uh, leaders or executives, and, and there's two things that that I often two areas of, of work I often do, Carol. One is I'm working with a team. The leader calls me up and says, hey, Brian, we we want to do some team building. And, and, and I can dig in to understand what are you really trying to accomplish? You know, and what I often find out is they need, they want their team to be aligned around some common goals or the strategy. And how do you start to pull everybody together? So one is working with teams to get everybody aligned in order to move forward over the next one, two, three, 10 years. Um, and then the other thing is more individual um, executive coaching is being able to help people understand, all right, what what are your strengths as a leader? What are some areas that may be a little bit deficient? How do you how do you optimize that strengths? And then how do you make sure that those deficiencies don't kind of pull you down? Um, how are you understanding other people on your team and how you may come across? So those really are that's where I spend a bulk of my time in, in those two areas. All good advice. (laughs) We're going to take a short 30-second break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about your book, of course, your coaching practice, and I also have a few other questions that I think our audience will be interested in hearing your answers to, so we will be right back. Thank you. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. Welcome back to Never Ever Give Up Hope, and we're talking with Brian Gillette today. He is definitely motivating us. He's motivating me, and I know he is motivating our audience to take a long, hard look at some of the excuses that we have made possibly for ourselves or regarding something that we really want to do. And a couple of things that he touched on for one is fear and possibly even the fear of failure, which would you agree, Brian, is a biggie? Yeah, fear of failure is a biggie. And I know it's it's held me back at times of it's like, oh, man, I don't know if I can do this. (laughs) And and I will tell you, kind of as I, later on, I've taken on things that it's like, you know, there's there's a chance this could fail. Uh-huh. Uh, and and then I ask myself the question, okay, if it does fail, 
what's what's the worst that's going to happen? And and generally, right, it's right. not that bad. Right. But it mushrooms, doesn't it? You know, as, as we dwell on it. So we need to stop and think of what we're dwelling on, correct? Yeah, or manage. I mean, how do you manage that failure? How are you understanding what's the downside risk of if you do fail? And and we often think that we often think the worst case scenario. I was I was interviewing um, a, a fairly successful entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. He he started up his company and um, ran it for many years and eventually sold it for four billion dollars. And that's B <laughs> with a billion. Um, so he's doing all right. And he. He's, he's just this phenomenal skier. He skis all over the world. He's got this great coach that he works with, whom I also interviewed. And, I, and, and so we were talking about failure. We were talking about risk. And, and I asked him, I said, how do, you, how, do you, how do you, what goes through your mind when you're, you're standing at the top of a cornice and you're looking down? Because that's, that's scary. He goes, when, when you're standing at the top of a cornice and you're, you're looking down, he goes, there's a lot of things that could go wrong because mm-hmm. it can be scary. He goes, and we often think about that worst case scenario, and that is falling and dying. Right. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then he said, he goes, but what we have to think more about is what is the realistic worst case scenario? Yeah, you could fall, but chances are you're not going to die. You know, in order for that worst case scenario to happen, generally there's a series of events that have to go wrong. And, and hmm. we think... And and whenever we think about doing something that scares us or holds a ba- holds us back, we think, oh, death, complete annihilation, loss of everything I own. You know, we we go down that rabbit hole, and and realistically, that's probably not going to happen. So, what is what's more the realistic worst case scenario, and how can you manage that? Um, it, it's kind of that managing the risk. And and I talk to a lot of people who started up companies. And, and I thought when I talked about risk, they were going to say, oh yeah, I really love risk. Most of them, they say, you know, I, I, I don't take a lot of risk. I just manage it really well. One thing that came to mind, it's actually a mantra of mine as, as I'm listening to you talk. And that is when you buy the thought, you buy the lie. Oh, I love that. And I love that. I know. I, I heard it many decades ago and I have never forgotten it. And very often when I am struggling with making a decision or whatever, I think of that. What's the truth here and what is the lie? And that is basically what you are saying and many of the things that you've already shared. You're, you're so right, Carol. I mean, and, and think about that. What I often talk about, and I think it's very similar, is when you say, I can't do that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, it's that same thing. When you say you can't do that, chances are you're right. <laughs> but if you look at the opposite and say, I can do that, well, what if you're right there too? Exactly. So it is, it is when you, I, I love what you say when you buy that thought, you buy the lie. Yeah, it's, it's so true. So when the chips are down, how do leaders keep going? Yeah, there's, there's a number of things. And this is when we get into perseverance. It's that ability to move, move forward. And, and, you know, I, I, I've done a lot around the physical or the ultra distance, but also in, in the executive side and people often think, oh, okay, physically it's, it's not the physical that stops you. It's the mental. And, and a couple of things that I have found, and I'll just share a, share a handful, and I, I share a lot more in a, in a keynote that I do, is f- when things aren't going well, 
is think back to why are you doing this? What is your why? Uh -huh. You know, Simon Sinek talks a lot about it, kind of understand your near why. And and one of the one of the people that I interviewed, you know, there's a couple people and said something very similar is she's she's a woman. She, she runs a company um, called All Across Africa down and she's based in San Diego, but she's got about four thousand weavers in Africa, Uganda, Rwanda. And what they do is these women, you know, they weave baskets and then those baskets are then sold in Costco uh -huh, or in uh -huh. Target. And and she, you know, I, I called her up and I was talking to her during the pandemic, uh, the COVID pandemic. And but she had already been through Ebola. She'd been through a second one. So this this COVID was her second um, pandemic. And as I was talking to her about Ebola, she goes, you know, it, we almost lost the business. And there were days when I was like, I don't know if we can get back through this. I said, well, how'd you get through it? She goes, I uh, kept thinking about why I started in, in this and yeah. why. And she goes, I remember, you know, when I was right out of college, I went into Sierra Leone, into Africa, and I saw all the poverty. There's a billion people on the continent of Africa and like 80% of them live in poverty. Right. It's just, it's just staggering. And it's, and it's heavily women that are in, in that more so women that are in that situation. And she goes, I wanted to make a difference. And so that's why I started this company that predominantly, you know, hire women to do these, these weaving of baskets and I can quadruple their income. So, <laughs> which, wow. which is huge. I mean, it, it, they, they're not making a lot as it is. So if right, you're making $10 right. a week and you quadruple it to $40 a week, that allows you to have access to things that you did not have last week. It gives you access to education. It gives you some access to some, some medical, you know, it gives you access to light. Um, and, and she goes, so, you know, during those dark days of, of Ebola, and I was wondering if it was going to happen, you know, we we're going to lose it. And she goes, I kept focusing on why I'm doing this. And I'm fundamentally changing the lives for the better for these 4,000 uh -huh, women. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And so, you know, that just was so strong. And I heard that from so many other, other people, you know, one of the other guys, you know, a, a started up his own engineering company as a, a large engineering company with a couple hundred people. And he's also an Ironman athlete. I said, what keeps you going during those hard days when you have to get up early in the morning and train? And he goes, I didn't want to die like my uncle on the couch. Right, and I said, right. oh, tell me more. He goes, my uncle kind of hurt his back and he sat down on the couch and effectively he never got up because he didn't exercise. And so he didn't exercise and so he got fat and he got, and he got heavier and he got because he was getting heavier, he didn't exercise as much. And it was just this downward spiral. And effectively, he just died on the couch. And I didn't yeah. want that to happen to me. So it's understanding that why was one. Um, another one is kind of during the hard times. And there's, God, there's, there's so many, but I'll just share one more. Is how do you put things in perspective? Is understand kind of how bad is your situation? And I don't mean to downplay that our situations aren't bad, but you know, one, one example that I experienced, I, you know, when you train for a 200 mile run, you spend a lot of time out either running or biking or exercising. And there were, there were weeks where I would be exercising for 30 hours during the week. So 
it's it's almost it's you know it's it's more than a part-time job where you're you're on a bicycle or you're running for 30 hours during the week and and during one of the kind of the heavier weeks I had to do four 30 mile runs in a row so Sunday I would run 30 miles Monday I would run 30 miles Tuesday I would run 30 miles and Wednesday I would run 30 miles because it's all about pushing your body and then learning how to recover and and so on my third day third 30 mile day you know, it, it's hot. It's in the getting into the nineties <laughs> and I'm starting to wind my, my, my legs are tired. They're legitimately tired and I am tired and I don't want to be out there. And, and I was whining to myself and it's, I could have easily stopped, but I was just, I, I was just whining to myself. Oh, my legs are tired. It's hot. And you know, all that stuff you, t- you put in your head. And then I thought of a friend of mine who was recently diagnosed with breast cancer. And I thought, you know, what she is going through is so much more difficult than what I'm going through. I voluntarily put myself in this situation. She didn't. I can in you know a half hour be sitting on a couch eating a bowl of ice cream and in 24 hours I will all my pain will be gone. And hers wasn't. So it kind of put things in perspective for me. It's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it, what I'm going through is hard, but I'm going to be fine. She's going through something much harder. And what was interesting is when I talked to her about this and kind of explained, I said, you got me through that run. And she said, it's funny because I was doing the same thing because she had a friend that was going through a much, much worse situation. There's always somebody that's going through a harder situation. It's like, how do we kind of put ourselves into their shoes and say, okay, they're managing it. They're going to get through it. I can do the same. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of things of kind of, how do you keep going? But those are, those are just a couple to share with you, Carol. Well, I sincerely appreciate that from a personal level. My, my um, memoir has 12 chapters, 12 traumas. And most people, when they read it, they say the exact same thing. How in the world did you make it? How did you survive? But the thing is, is I, most of the time, I would think about someone who was in a worse place than I was, whatever the situation was. And that actually was motivating. Yeah. If they can do it, I can do it. I loved what you just shared. It is a form of motivation. Yeah, no, thank you for sharing as well. Now, you took a couple sabbaticals. My question is, why? And tell us about that. Yeah, so I've traveled around the world twice. Um, The first one I did right before I got married. In fact, I I, I spent seven months. My, my, at the time, girlfriend, then during the trip became fiancé, and then right after the trip became my wife. And so we've been married for... Oh, 17, 18 years. Um, and, and so I, I'd always wanted to kind of, you know, go travel the world and take that opportunity. And, and when I met this, this woman, I kind of threw it out. We hadn't been, we'd only been dating for a couple of months and, and I was working at this great company, but we just got acquired. And I thought it's time for me to do something different. And maybe now is the time to go travel the world. Most uh, you know, most people, if they do that, they do it right out of college. Um, I was in my mid thirties, so it's not as common, and and I was nervous about it. Am I going to be you know one? Am I going to be able to kind of you know stay with this one person? Are they going to want to be with me? But also, it's like, am I going to want to be 
taking a backpack around the world. You know, I, I'm used to living in a very comfortable house, having a, a very comfortable lifestyle. Am I going to be able to do all right? And and so I threw the idea out to uh, this woman that I was dating and I could see it. It sparked a light. And so we planned uh, seven months. We traveled predominantly through uh, through, you know, kind of the, the Pacific Rim from New Zealand on up to China and then took the train across to, uh, from China into Moscow. Um, and, and while I was on the Great Wall, I proposed to her. And so we, <laughs> we then got married a few months after we got back. But while we were, before we got back, we were sitting in a, in a cafe in Prague, I believe it was. And we, and we had just come across this other, this family, I should say, they were traveling around the world with their kids. And we both looked at each other and said, wouldn't that be cool to do it with kids at some mm. point? And so 2017 and 2018, so we, you know, we plan that, you know, and it's like, okay, when we have kids, we're going to do mm-hmm. it. And so it had just always been, you know, from the time our kids could understand things, they knew at some point we were going to go travel around the world. And 2017, 2018, we spent a year um, we took the kids out of school and we, I live in the San Francisco Bay area. We headed South into uh, Cuba and then worked our way about four and a half months in South America, four and a half months in, in Africa, about a month in the middle East, and then a little time in, in Europe to visit some friends. And I will tell you if there's anybody on this call that's thinking, Oh, that would be cool. Or I would love to do that. You know, <laughs> feel free to get in touch with me. And, and, and if you, if there's any doubt in your mind, I'm going to do everything possible to convince you to do it because it was the greatest thing. It was hard. There's no doubt about it. But what what caused us to kind of make that decision to do it easily is we didn't want to get to, you know, 30, 40 years down the road when maybe we're 70 or 80 or 90 and go, gosh, I wish I would have done it. Exactly. And, and it's, so it's, it's that regret that, you know, we didn't want to regret not making the decision. And, and there's been many things that we've, we've done, you know, last year we did this, uh, um, humanitarian project where we, we raised about $60,000 and went into Poland to get supplies to, uh, into the Ukrainians. And as my wife and I were thinking about, God, do we do this? You know, her, she looked at me and she goes, I think if we don't do this, in a year or two years, we're going to regret it. Uh-huh. And it was like, okay, then we're we're doing it. And it was kind of one of the harder things we've done. It was put us into very uncomfortable, unknown situations. But I will tell you, it is it was just this great, so great thing. So ask that ask that sell yourself that question is, you know, when I'm 80, will I regret not doing this thing? Whether it's exactly. starting your own business, you know, whatever it is. Now tell us about your book and your coaching practice. Yeah. So so the book, I mean, the reason I wrote the book is, you know, there were a number of instances, you know, similar to the one I'm going to tell you about that occurred. And it kind of it's like, ah, I've got to do something. As we were getting ready to leave for our trip around the world with the kids, a number of friends organized this going away party. And... You know, we had a bunch of friends that were at this this party, and I had a couple of people that came up to me, and they said, you know, we could never do what you're doing. And I just thought to myself, you know, I, I don't think I'm that special that I'm doing something that b- people can't do. And uh, you could do it. 
You choose not to do it for a mm-hmm. number of reasons, mm-hmm. but don't say you can't do it. And that just, it kind of, it, it's like, no. And, and it just, it kind of pulls at me. It's like, you could do it. So, you know, for those of you listening, if you're saying, oh, I can't do it, you could. Um, there's something else that, that's holding you back. Maybe you can't do it today, but maybe tomorrow. Um, and so I thought, all right, what is it that, what is it that, you know, allowed me and my wife to say, you know, kind of not say that we can't do it and go do it. And it's the same thing about, you know, running 200 miles or 50 miles or 26.2 miles when people say, oh, you know, I can't do that. It's like, ah, you probably can. And, 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 and so I also wanted to go out and interview other people that have been done some pretty cool, amazing things. And, and so that's when I went out and I interviewed a hundred executives and, and ultra distance and endurance athletes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I talked to seven people, or I'm sorry, I talked to two people who did seven marathons in seven continents on seven days. Wow. You know, they, their first marathon was in Antarctica. And then they went to South Africa and they worked their way around the globe. And it's like, that is cool. <laughs> and, and they were inspiring to me and making me realize like, oh, man, I can do bigger. Um, you know, I talked to one guy in his 60s. He cycled from Cairo, Egypt, the top of Africa, 12,000 miles, I think it was, down to Cape Town, um, South Africa. You know, or, or people that started up their own business. Some of them failed the first time and then they started up something else and it worked. So I wanted to understand those those behaviors and that's where kind of epic performance came in. The the envision, plan, iterate, collaborate, perform. Um, and it was – so hopefully somebody can read the book and go, okay, you know, I, I've got this big idea. I need to shift from I can't to I can't. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, um, is is really where where the book came to be, and and if if I can, if a couple people read it, and there, there's a lot of stuff out there, and it's just maybe this this uh, resonates with somebody different than maybe something else. I love the way you're comparing, you know, just general life and what we may or may not have to endure with endurance training and running a marathon. It's an excellent analogy, and. The platform, basically, for what you are teaching, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, thank you. Thank you. And your coaching practice. So the coaching practice, and I touched on it a little bit earlier, mm-hmm. I'm predominantly uh, working with companies and executives, um, you know, pulling teams together to help them get aligned around the vision, a strategy. Um Most of the time, you know, if if a team can be aligned around – where they all need to go and a common vision, their chance of success goes up just exponentially. Um, and then working with individuals on, you know, how to be kind of continue to be a high performing leader or kind of up their game a little bit in some sense. And um, I, I do a lot of work in the in the San Francisco Bay Area, but also kind of around the um, I've done some some work globally or throughout the U.S. Well, this has been motivating definitely encouraging and enlightening it's because there is really no excuse and after people have listened to this session today I hope that they listen to it the second time the first time to kind of grasp what you're saying and the second time to put it into action and realize that they can and they are can be determined to persevere 
So I appreciate every all the tidbits that you gave us today. And again, as relating it from persevering in life, right alongside persevering in endurance training to run a marathon. Excellent, excellent. I appreciate everything that you've given us today. I appreciate the encouragement. And is there any final word that you would like to give the audience? Well, Carol, it's been a pleasure uh, talking to you and kind of hear and learn a little bit more about your uh, your background as well. I appreciate you having me me uh, as a guest on your uh, on your show. You know, if people, people can get in touch with me. They can go to my website, which is at uh, epicperformances.com. So it's e p i c performances with an s dot com. You know, the book's on Amazon, or you can connect up with me on on LinkedIn. And and I love to hear stories of people. It's like, I'm thinking about doing X and I've started <laughs> started doing this. So please share with me. And, and you know, I'll kind of leave you with that, that one final thought. And we talked uh, briefly about it is ask yourself when you get that, that idea in your head of something that's just kind of niggling at you a little bit and, and just ask yourself, okay, you know, in, in 20 or 30 years or when I'm 80 or 90, will I regret not exactly. trying this out? Exactly. Yes, and all those links will be on the show notes, and so they'll be able to connect with you. And again, Brian, thank you so much for being on Never Ever Give Up Hope. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.